Reciting the Tashahud, Ta'uz, and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalibdul Masih V, Ayyadullah Ta'ala bin Aziz stated, In this series of the accounts of the lives of the Badri companions, today I will begin with the account of Hazrat Yazid bin Nuqaysh. Hazrat Yazid belonged to the Banu Asad bin Khuzayma tribe of the Quraysh. Hazrat Yazid was a confederate of the Banu Abd al-Shams. Some have also reported his name as Arbad. However, this is incorrect. Hazrat Yazid's father's name was Rukesh bin Riyab and his title was Abu Khalid. Hazrat participated in all of the battles alongside the Holy Prophet ﷺ, including the battles of Badr, Uhud and Khandak. Hazrat Yazid killed Amr bin Sufyan during the Battle of Badr, who was a member of the Tay tribe. One of Hazrat Yazid's brothers' names was Hazrat Sayyid bin Rukesh, who migrated from Makkah to Medina along with his family and is counted among the foremost Muhajireen. One of Hazrat Yazid's brothers' names was Hazrat Abdurrahman bin Rukesh, who participated in the Battle of Uhud. One of Hazrat Yazid's sister's name was Hazrat Amna bin Ruqaysh, who accepted Islam early on in Mecca. She also migrated to Medina along with her family. Hazrat Yazid passed away on the occasion of the Battle of Yamama in 12 Hijri. Although I have previously given brief details of this battle, but some further details are as follows. 
The Battle of Yamama took place in 11 Hijri during the Khilafat of Hazrat Abu Bakr. According to some historians, it took place in 12 Hijri. This battle was fought against Muselma Kazab at a place called Yamama. Hazrat Abu Bakr sent an army under the leadership of Hazrat Ikrama bin Abi Jahal to fight Muselma. He also sent another army under the leadership of Hazrat Shahbil bin Hasana in order to assist him. Hazrat Ikrama entered into battle before the arrival of Hazrat Shahbil so that the victory could be attributed to him. However, he was defeated by Muselma. When Hazrat Shirahbil to know of this defeat, he set up camp on the way. Hazrat Ikrama wrote the account of what had happened to him to Hazrat Abu Bakr, who in turn wrote back saying, You should neither meet me under such circumstances, nor shall I look at you, nor should you return to Medina in a state that would spread cowardice among the people. Rather, you should take your army to fight against the rebels from among the people of Oman and Mahra. After that, you should go and fight against the rebels of Yemen and Hadramut. Hazrat Abu Bakr wrote to Hazrat Shahbil saying, You should stay put until Hazrat Khalid bin Walid arrives. Hazrat Abu Bakr deployed Hazrat Khalid in order to fight Muselma Kazab and sent a large party of Muhajireen and Ansar with him. The leader of the party of the Ansar was Hazrat Sabit bin Qais, while the leader of the Muhajireen was Hazrat Abu Huzaifa and Hazrat Zaid bin Khattab. Hazrat Shirahbil started to fight Masalma before the arrival of Hazrat Khalid and was defeated. Hazrat Abu Bakr sent further reinforcement to assist Hazrat Khalid to prevent any attack from behind the armies. Hazrat Abu Bakr used to say, I do not to utilize the Badri companions. I want to leave them in a state that they meet Allah the Almighty while peacefully observing righteous deeds. Allah the Almighty removes all difficulties and hardships in a far greater manner simply due to their blessings and the blessings of other pious individuals and as a result they do not physically need to help. Nevertheless, they also participated due to certain circumstances. However, the opinion of Hazrat Umar was in contrast to this and he would utilize the Badri companions for the army, etc. In any case, the size of the Muslim army in this battle was 13,000, whereas the size of Muslim's army is stated as 40,000. A man by the name Naharul Rijal bin Unfwa was with Muslima Ghazab. He went to the Holy Prophet وسلم, where he learnt the Holy Quran and religious letters. The Holy Prophet وسلم, sent him to the people of Yamama as a religious teacher in order to refute Muslima Ghazab's claim to prophethood. When he went there, he became an apostate and bore testimony to the fact 
that he heard the Holy Prophet say, which was a false testimony, that Muslima had, God forbid, been made a prophet alongside him. Nonetheless, when people abandon religion even today, it is their custom to make such false and incorrect allegations. In any case, the apostasy of this individual had much more negative impact on Muslima's tribe of Banu Hanifa in comparison to Muslima's claim to prophethood. The reason for this was that he had been sent for their moral training and the people were influenced by him. At the time he said these things, Muslima's claim to prophethood was not very impactful. However, people began to be influenced after he made these statements. Everyone accepted his claim and subsequently began to obey Muslima. Furthermore, they said to him that he should write a letter to the Holy Prophet ﷺ stating that if he did not obey him, they will support him in opposing the Prophet. This treacherous claim of theirs was in fact the fundamental reason for war. In the incident which is being mentioned, Hazrat Abu Bakr sent Hazrat Khalid to fight Muslima. It is stated that when Muslima became aware of the fact that Hazrat Khalid was approaching, he set up camp in an area of Akraba and called people for his support. People started coming to him in great numbers. In the meantime, Muja'a bin Murada set out with a party which was captured by the Muslims. Hazrat Khalid killed his companions and kept Muja'a alive. He had set out for war as he was a reputable individual among the tribe of Banu Hanifa. Their leader was not killed but instead he was made as a prisoner. When he was captured, Muslima's son Sharabil incited their tribe and said, If you are defeated today, your women will be made into bondswomen and they will be taken advantage of without entering into marriage. Therefore today you must show absolute courage for the sake of your honour and dignity and you must protect your women. Nevertheless, the war broke out the flag of the Muhajireen was carried by Hazrat Salim, the freed slave of Huzaifa, but prior to this it was with Abdullah bin Hafs, who had been martyred. The flag of the Ansar was carried by Hazrat Sabit bin Qais. A fierce bull ensued, the likes of which the Muslims had not experienced before. The Muslims retreated during this battle, and the people of Banu Hanifa advanced in order to free Muja'a who had been imprisoned by Hazrat Khalid. Subsequently, they marched and advanced towards the tent Hazrat Khalid bin Walid. At that time, the wife of Hazrat Khalid was in the tent. These people intended to kill Hazrat Khalid's wife, upon which Muja'a said that he had granted her protection and he prevented them from killing her. 
Majah then told them to attack them, upon which they advanced forwards from the tent. The battle intensified once again, and all of the tribes of Banu Hanifa launched a ferocious attack. During this battle, at times the Muslims had the upper hand, but then at other times the disbelievers would have the upper hand. Honorable companions such as Hazrat Salim, Hazrat Abu Huzaifa, Hazrat Zaid bin Khattab were martyred during this battle. When Hazrat Khalid observed the state of the Muslims, he ordered each tribe to separate themselves from the other tribes so that the state of affairs could be gauged and in order to find out where Muslims were being attacked from. Similarly, when the lines during the battle were organized separately, the Muslims started to say to one another that on this day they feel ashamed to retreat. In other words, their condition was becoming rather shameful. Muslims did not face a day filled with more hardships than this particular battle. Muslima was still in his place and was a true figure for the disbelievers. Hazrat Khalid realized that until Muslima was killed, the war will not come to an end. Subsequently, Hazrat Khalid advanced forward and requested to fight in the form of duels by raising the slogan Ya Muhammada, which was a tradition during the battle in those days. Whoever stepped into the battlefield was killed, which became a catalyst for the Muslims. Following this, Hazrat Khalid called out for Muslima. However, he did not step forward and ran away. He was compelled to seek refuge in his orchard along with his companions, and he sealed the doors of this orchard. The Muslims encircled the orchard, Hazrat Barab bin Malik said, O Muslims, lift me over the wall and into the orchard. He was a very brave and courageous individual. The Muslims replied that they were unable to do so. However, Hazrat Barab did not accept this and insisted that they ought to get him into the orchard. Hence the Muslims helped him in climbing the wall of the garden to enter it and he opened the gate from inside. The Muslims entered the orchard and another fierce battle took place. Washi killed Muslima. Washi is the same person who had martyred Hazrat Hamza, the uncle of the Holy Prophet. Nevertheless, according to one narration, Washi and another Ansari killed Muslima together. Washi launched his spear towards Muslima, and the Ansari advanced towards Muslima with his sword. Both of them attacked Muslima at the same time, and for this reason, Washi used to say later, Only God knows whose attack caused Muslima's death. Hazrat Abdullah bin Umar narrates, Someone announced in a loud voice, An African slave had killed Muslima. Therefore, it is very likely that Washi had killed him. Hazrat Khalid found out the location of Muslima's body through Majah. Majah said to Hazrat Khalid, The people who came to fight with the Muslims were impetuous and inexperienced. The fort is currently full of skillful soldiers. You should agree to a tea with me on their behalf. The Muslims would incur a greater loss if a battle were to ensue now. He played a trick on Hazrat Khalid 
who in turn agreed to enter a treaty with Majah on the condition that the Muslims would be would spare their lives, a thing would be said to them, and they would not be taken as prisoners. However, the Muslims would gain all of their possessions. Majah, who is a very clever individual, stated, I will go to the people of the fort and will return after seeking their opinion on this. Muselma had already been killed, which had shattered their strength. However, Majah's shrewdness benefited the disbelievers. Upon entering the fort, he found no one other than women, children, elderly and the weak. He planned a deceptive move by making the women put on armour and instructed them to stand on the castle walls and raise the slogans for battle until his return. He returned to Hazrat Khalid and stated, The people of the fort did not agree to the condition on which you based our treaty, which was that their lives would be spared, but the Muslims would take all the, their possessions. Some of them are expressing their disagreement visit on the castle walls. I cannot take responsibility for their actions, as they are not in my control. When Hazrat Khalid looked towards the castle, he observed that its walls were lined with soldiers. These were women who were dressed as soldiers as part of his scheme. The Muslims had suffered great losses during this battle, which had become prolonged. The Muslims desired to swiftly return after their victory. Hence, Hazrat Khalid agreed to a treaty on the condition that the possession of all the gold, silver, livestock, half of the female and male slaves would be given to them. According to one narration, he agreed to the treaty on the condition of a quarter of the prisoners. In this battle, 360 Muhajireen and Ansar from Medina were martyred. Aside from those from Medina, 300 Muhajireen were martyred. From the Banu Hanifa tribe, 7,000 disbelievers were killed in the plains of Akraba. 7,000 were killed in the orchard and 7,000 people who ran away from the orchard were killed in the chase after them. When this army returned to Medina, Hazrat Umar inquired from his son, Hazrat Abdullah, Why did you not attain martyrdom before Zayd? Zayd has been martyred and you are still alive. Why did you not hide your face from me? Hazrat Abdullah replied, Hazrat Zayd prayed for martyrdom from Allah the Almighty and he bestowed it to him. I also sought after it but was not successful. In the same year, after a large number of companions were martyred in the Battle of Yamama, Hazrat Abu Bakr ordered for the Holy Quran to be collated at one place in order to preserve it. These were the details regarding the Battle of Yamama. Now I shall speak about a companion named Hazrat Abdullah bin Makhrama. His title was Abu Muhammad and he belonged to the Banu Amir bin Lui tribe. He was also called Abdullah Akbar as well. He was one of the companions who accepted Islam early on. His father's name was Makhrama bin Abdul Uzza, and his mother's name was Bahnana bin Safwan. In regards to his children, there is mention of his son named Masahik, who was the son of Zainab bint Suraka, the wife of Hazrat Abdullah. 
Hazrat Abdullah bin Makhrama was among those companions who accepted Islam in the beginning. He had the honour of migrating twice. One migration was towards Abyssinia and the second one towards Medina. Ibn Ishaq has mentioned Hazrat Abdullah bin Makhrama among those companions who migrated to Abyssinia with Hazrat Jafar radiallahu anhu. Yunus bin Bukair, Salma and Bey have recorded this saying by Ibn Ishaq in which there is mention of Hazrat Abdullah bin Makhrama's migration to Abyssinia. After migrating to Medina, Hazrat Abdullah bin Makhrama resided in the house of Hazrat Kulthum bin Hidam. The Holy Prophet established a bond of brotherhood between Hazrat Abdullah bin Makhrama and Farwa bin Amr Ansari. Hazrat Abdullah bin Makhrama participated in the Battle of Badr as well as all the battles that took place after. He was 30 years old at the time of the Battle of Badr. When he was martyred at the Battle of Yamama during the Caliphate of Hazrat Abu Bakr, at that time he was 41 years old. Hazrat Abdullah Bakhrama had an extraordinary level of passion to attain the status of martyrdom. He would pray to God Almighty that he remain alive until he had witnessed a wound on every joint of his body in the way of God Almighty. Subsequently, during the Battle of Yamama, he suffered injuries on many of his joints, as a result of which he attained the status of martyrdom. Hazrat Abdullah bin Makhrama was extremely devoted to worship and would fervently pray even in his youth. Hazrat Umar relates, In the year in which the Battle of Yamama took place, Hazrat Abdullah bin Makhrama, Hazrat Salim, who was the freed slave of Hazrat Abu Huzaifa, and I were all together. All three of us would take turns to graze the goats, and we also had to stand guard for protection of the provisions for the army. It was my turn to graze the goats on the day the Battle of Yamama began. When I returned from grazing the goats, I saw Hazrat Abdullah bin Makhrama wounded and lying on the ground of the battlefield. I stood by him and he said, O Abdullah bin Umar, have those who are fasting ended their fast? It was evening. I replied in the affirmative upon which he asked me for some water to be poured into his shield so that he could break his fast. Thus, even during the battle, he was observing the fast. Hazrat Abdullah bin Umar states that he went to fetch some water, but when he returned, Hazrat Abdullah bin Makhrama had passed away. The next companion I will mention is Hazrat Amr bin Ma'bad. Hazrat Amr bin Ma'bad's name is also reported as Umair bin Ma'bad. His father's name was Ma'bad bin Azir. Hazrat Amr bin Ma'bad belonged to the Banu Zubayya branch of the Aus tribe of the Ansar. Hazrat Amr bin Ma'bad participated in all the battles alongside the Holy Prophet including the battles of Badr, Uhud and Khandak. 
Hazrat Amr bin Ma'bad was among the 100 companions who stood their ground during the Battle of Hunain and valiantly fought as a result of which God Almighty Himself became responsible for the provisions of those who stood by the Holy Prophet According to one narration, Hazrat Abdullah bin Umar states, On the day of Hunayn, our condition was such that two of the parties among the Muslims retreated and there were not even as much as a hundred people who remained with the Holy Prophet There are varying opinions in relation to the number of companions who remained firmly stood alongside the Holy Prophet Some say between 80 and 100, while others state 100. But nonetheless, they were very few in number. The next companion I will mention is Hazrat Numan bin Malik. Hazrat Numan bin Malik's name has also been mentioned as Numan bin Qawqal. Imam Bukhari has recorded his name as Ibn Qawqal. Allama Badruddin Aini, who is a scholar, writes in the commentary of Bukhari that the complete name of Ibn Qawqal was Numan bin Malik bin Thalba bin Asram and the title of Thalba or Asram was Qawqab. Numan was known by his grandfather, hence he was called Numan bin Qawqal. As Numan bin Malik walked with the Hazrat Numan bin Malik's father was Malik bin Thalba and his mother was Umrah bint Ziyad and she was the sister of Hazrat Jazir bin Ziyad. Hazrat Numan belonged to the Banu Ghanim branch of the Khazraj tribe from among the Ansar. This tribe was popularly known as Qawqal. According to Ibn Hisham, Hazrat Numan bin Malik was more commonly known by the name Numan Qawqal. Moreover, Ibn Hisham has mentioned that he belonged to the Banu Dad tribe. Why were they referred to as Qawqal? I explained this in one of the previous sermons that whenever someone sought protection from a leader in Medina, he would be told that he was free to ascend the mountain as he wished. In other words, he had now been granted peace and he was free to live as he wished and could return in a state of comfort and security without any fear or adversity. The individuals who would grant protection were known as Qawakila. Ibn Hisham, a historian, states that when these leaders granted refuge to someone, they would hand them an arrow and say they were free to go wherever they desired with the arrow. Hazrat Numan's grandfather, Thalba bin Dad, was referred to as Khokal. He was from among those who would grant security and protection. Similarly, Ghanim bin Auf, who was the leader of the Khazraj tribe, was also referred to as Khokal, and Hazrat Saad bin Abada was also known by the title of Khokal. Banu Salim, Banu Ghanim, and Banu Auf bin Khazraj were all known as Khawakila. The leader of the Banu Auf tribe was Hazrat Ubada bin Samit. Hazrat Naman bin Malik participated in the Battle of Badr and Uhud and was martyred during the Battle of Uhud by Safwan bin Umayyah. According to another narration, Hazrat Naman bin Malik was martyred by Aban bin Said. On the day of Uhud, Hazrat Naman bin Malik 
حضرت مجزر بن زیاد and حضرت عبادہ بن حساس were all buried on grave. When the Holy Prophet ﷺ left for the Battle of Uhud and had conferred with Abdullah bin Abay Salul, Hazrat Numan bin Malik said, O Prophet of Allah, by God, I will certainly enter paradise. The Holy Prophet ﷺ asked how. Hazrat Numan replied, because I testify that there is none worthy of worship except Allah, and you are the messenger of Allah. I will certainly never turn away from the battle. Upon this the Holy Prophet ﷺ said, Indeed, what he has said was the truth. Subsequently, Hazrat Naman bin Malik attained martyrdom on that same day. Khalid bin Abu Malik Jadi relates that he found the following narration in his father's book that Hazrat Naman bin Qawqal Ansari supplicated my Lord, I swear by your name that I will be walking with my limp in the lush green gardens of paradise before the sun will have set. Subsequently, he was martyred that very day. Upon this, the Holy Prophet ﷺ stated, God Almighty accepted his prayer, for I have seen him walking in heaven without any sort of limp or hindrance. God Almighty informed the Holy Prophet ﷺ about him through a vision. Hazrat Abu Huraira relates that he went to the Holy Prophet ﷺ while he was in Khaybar and the companions had already conquered it. He requested the Holy Prophet ﷺ to also grant him some air from the spoils of war. One of the sons of Sayyid bin As said, O Prophet of Allah, do not give him any share from it. Hazrat Abu Huraira then said that Ibn Sayyid bin As was the one who was responsible for killing Numan bin Qawqul. Ibn Sayyid bin As replied, I am astounded that he shows such arrogance towards us, yet he himself has come from grazing his sheep from the Mount Zan. Mount Zan was situated in Tahama and was one of the mountains situated where the tribe Dos lived, which was Hazrat Abu Huraira's tribe. They were stood on the top of this mountain. Ibn Sayyid bin As further said, with great astuteness, He has come while grazing his sheep and now leveled an allegation against me that I killed a Muslim, whom Allah the Almighty granted honor through my hands and did not allow me to perish by his hands. Sufyan states that he is not aware whether the Holy Prophet ﷺ granted him a share or not. Hazrat Jabir relates that Hazrat Naman bin Qokul came to the Holy Prophet ﷺ and asked, O Prophet of Allah, if I observe the obligatory prayers, observe the fasts in the month of Ramadan, declare all that which is unlawful as unlawful, and all that which is lawful as lawful, and do nothing more than this, will I enter paradise? The Holy Prophet ﷺ replied, Yes. Upon this he said, By God, I will not do anything more than this. As a Naman bin Kokul entered the mosque on Friday and the Holy Prophet ﷺ was delivering his sermon. The Holy Prophet ﷺ asked him, O Naman, offer two rakats of prayer. The concept of offering sunnah on Friday has also been explained here. As Naman entered the mosque while the Holy Prophet ﷺ was delivering his sermon 
and told him to offer two rak'ats of prayer and to not prolong them. Since the Friday sermon had already started, they have told him to offer and keep them short. Thereafter the Holy Prophet ﷺ stated, If any of you arrive at the mosque and the Imam is delivering the sermon, you should offer two rak'ats of prayer and to keep them short. The next companion to be mentioned is Hazrat Khubayb bin Adi Ansari. Hazrat Khubayb bin Adi Ansari belonged to the Banu Jahjaba, Aus tribe from among the Ansar. When Hazrat Umair bin Abu Waqas migrated from Makkah to Medina, the Holy Prophet established a bond of brotherhood between him and Hazrat Khubayb bin Adi. Hazrat Khubay bin Adi took part in the Battle of Badr and killed Haris bin Amir during the battle. During the Battle of Badr, Hazrat Khubay bin Adi was appointed to supervise over the army's possessions. Hazrat Khubay bin Adi was among the delegation involved in the incident of Raji in 4 Hijri. Hazrat Khubay bin Adi and Hazrat Zaid bin Dasan were imprisoned by the idolaters and took them along with them to Makkah, and upon reaching, sold both of the companions. Hazrat Khubayb bin Adi was bought by the sons of Haris bin Amir, so that they could avenge for their father's death, who was killed by Khubayb on the day of Badr. According to Ibn Hisak, Hujair bin Abu Ahab Tamimi bought Hazrat Khubayb, who was a confederate of the children of Haris. Uqba, the son of Haris, bought him from Abu Ahab, so that he could have for his father's death. It is also said that Uqba bin Haris bought Hazrat Khubayb from Banu Najjar. According to yet another source, Abu Ihab, Ikrma bin Abu Jahl, Akhnas bin Shuraik, Ubaidah bin Hakim, the sons of Umayyah bin Abu Utba Hazrami and Safwan bin Umayyah all bought Hazrat Khubayb. These are all the individuals whose fathers were killed during the Battle of Badr. They all bought Hazrat Khubayb and gave him to Uqba bin Hadis, who then imprisoned him in his home. The following details have been mentioned in Bukhari regarding the incident of Raji. Hazrat Abu Hurairah relates that the Holy Prophet sent a delegation comprising of ten companions to gather some intelligence and appointed Asim bin Sabit Ansari, who was the maternal grandfather of Umar bin Khattab, the emir of the delegation. The delegation set off, and when they reached Beda, which is situated between Asfan and Makkah, someone informed the Banu Lahyan about them, who were a part of the Hosail tribe. Upon learning of this news, Around 200 men, who were all archers, set off and began to follow their trail. They pursued them until they reached the place where the delegation had eaten some dates. The delegation of 10 people stopped at a location and ate some dates, which they brought with them as provisions for the journey from Medina. They ate the dates and threw away the date seeds. 
The army pursuing them recognized that these dates were from Yathrib, i.e. Medina, and thereafter began to follow their trail. When Asim and his companions saw them coming after them, they ascended a hillock for protection. The pursuing army surrounded them and asked them to come, assuring them that if they surrendered themselves over to them, they will not kill any of them. Asim bin Sabit, who was the leader of this delegation, said that if he came down from the mountain, then that would mean that he came under the protection of a disbeliever, and he was not willing to do that. Thereafter, he prayed, O inform our Prophet of this incident. The enemy then began to launch arrows and martyred Asim bin Sabit along with seven other companions. Upon witnessing this, the other three, placing their trust in them, came down. Among these three were Khubay bin Sari, Ibn Dasana, and one other person. When they came down, the disbelievers captured them and tied them with the strings of their bows. The third individual among them said, This was the first act of deception, and said, By God, I will not go with you. I find comfort and assurance in the example of those who were martyred before us. I will remain here, and so martyr me, if you so wish. They tried to drag him along, but he resisted, and eventually they martyred him. They then grabbed hold of Khubayb and Ibn Dasna and took them away to Mecca, where they then sold them. This incident took place after the battle of Badr. Khubayb was bought by Banu Haris bin Amir bin Naufil bin Abdi Manaf. Khubayb was the one who killed Haris bin Amir during the battle of Badr. Khubayb remained as a prisoner with them. Ibn Shihab writes, Abadullah bin Ayaz said to me that the daughter of Hadis informed him that once the captors who had bought Khubayb decided that they would kill him, i.e. he would be martyred. During that time, Khubayb asked for a razor for his personal use. This is a very famous incident often quoted. The daughter of Hadis further states, During a moment of inattentiveness, one of my children went to Khubayb and he sat the child on his lap. Seeing my child sitting on Khubayb's lap and the razor in his hand, I became petrified to such an extent that Khubayb realized my fear from my facial action and said, Do you think that I will kill this child? Do not think this. God willing, I shall never commit such an act. The daughter of Haris would often say, I have never seen a prisoner as good as Khubayb. She would also say, By God, on one occasion, I saw a bunch of grapes in the hand of Khubayb, and he was picking grapes one by one, eating them. Although there was no sign of grapes in Mecca, 
during those days and Khubayb was shackled in strong iron chains. She says, I believe that these were heavenly provisions which would come to Khubayb. The captors took Khubayb to a place outside of the Haram in order to kill him. Khubayb sought permission from them to offer two rakats of Salat to which they agreed. When he had offered his two rakats of prayer, he said, I desired to prolong my Salat even more, but then I thought that you may assume that I am prolonging my Salat with the intention of deferring death. Then he prayed to God Almighty, saying, O Allah, destroy each and every one of them. Just before they were about to martyr him, he prayed, saying, O Allah, destroy each and every one of them. Hazrat Khubayb then recited the following couplet, وَلَسْتُ أُبَالِ حِينَ أُقْتَلُ مُسْلِمًا عَلَىٰ أَيِّ شِقٍ كَانَ لِلَّهِ مَسْرَعِي وَذَلِكَ فِي ذَالِ إِلَاهِ وَإِنْ يَشَاءُ يُبَارِكْ عَلَىٰ أَوْسَالِ شِلْوِنْ مُمَزَّعِي Meaning, when I am being martyred in the cause of Islam as a Muslim, I care not as to which flank I fall upon to being martyred. All of this is for the sake of God. And if my God so wills, He shall bless my every severed limb. Allama Hajar Asqalani, who wrote in a commentary of Sahih Bukhari, writes the following commentary under one hadith. At the time of his martyrdom, Hazrat Khubayb prayed in the following way. Allahumma hasihim adada. O Allah, take note of each one of these enemies of mine, so that you may deal with them. In another narration, it is recorded that he also said, وَقْتُلْهُمْ بَدَلًا وَلَا تُبْقِي مِنْهُمْ أَحَدًا Every single one of them and do not spare anyone from among them. Nonetheless, after Hazrat Khubayb had finished from offering his prayers, Uqba, the son of Haris, killed Khubayb and thus he became a martyr. In another narration of Bukhari, it is written that Abu Sarah killed Hazrat Khubayb. Hazrat Khubayb was the one who established the tradition of offering two rakats of prayer for every Muslim who is killed in captivity. God Almighty accepted the prayer of Asim bin Sabit that he supplicated on the day he was martyred. And the Holy Prophet ﷺ informed his companions about it. As it has already been mentioned, Asim bin Sabit, who was the leader of the party from which Hazrat Khubayb was also a part of, prayed for God Almighty to inform the Holy Prophet ﷺ about their situation. The Holy Prophet ﷺ informed his companions about the entire incident and the difficulties they had to endure. When the Quraysh were informed that Asim had been killed, they sent a group of men to the place where Asim was killed in order to bring back a part of his body whereby he could be recognized. Asim had slain a principal chieftain of the Quraysh during the Battle of Badr. However, 
God Almighty made provisions such that a swarm of hornets acted as a shield over his body and the disbelievers were unable to harm him. God Almighty saved him and they were unable to take back any part of his body. When Hazrat Khubayb was about to be martyred, it is stated that he prayed by saying, O oh Allah, I have no means by which to convey my greetings to the Holy Prophet You alone can convey my greetings to him. When Hazrat Khubayb stood on the plank, he prayed to God Almighty. It is said that when an idolater heard the prayer of Hazrat Khubayb, O oh Allah, take note of every single one of them and then kill each and every one of them. He jumped to the floor out of fear. It is written that within one year, aside from the person who lay down out of fear, every single one of those who were involved in the killing of Hazrat Khub were dead and none of them survived. Hazrat Muawiyah bin Nabi Sufyan states, I was present with my father at the time. When my father heard the prayer of Hazrat Khubayb, he immediately pushed me to the ground. Urwa has stated this, and there are also similar narrations. Another narration of his is that the idolaters that were present at the time included Abu Ehab, Aknas bin Shuraik, Ubaidah bin Haki, and Umayyah bin Utba. He further narrates that Angel Gabriel came to the Holy Prophet ﷺ and informed him about the entire incident. And the Holy Prophet ﷺ in turn informed the companions. The companion said that on the day the Holy Prophet ﷺ was seated in a gathering when he said, Wa alaikum salam ya khubayb, meaning, O khubayb, may the peace and blessings of God be upon you. He also informed the companions that the Quraysh had killed Khubayb. Thus God Almighty ensured that the Khubayb's greetings of peace were conveyed to the Holy Prophet This is mentioned in the commentary of Sayyid Bukhari. When the idolaters martyred Hazrat Khubayb, they turned his face away from the direction of the Qibla. However, after a short while later, the idolaters saw that his face had turned towards the Qibla again. They would constantly try to turn his face away from the Qibla, but they did not succeed and eventually left him the way he was. In another narration, it is related that the Quraysh hung Khubayb to the branch of a tree and then killed him by repeatedly piercing him with lances. An individual by the name of Sayyid bin Amir was also among the crowd. Afterwards he became a Muslim, and even until the reign of the Khilafat of Hazrat Umar, whenever he would remember the incident of Khubayb, he was among the perpetrators, but later accepted Islam. He was overtaken by a state of swoon. There are some other accounts relating to him, but I will mention them another time. At this time, I would like to make an announcement that the Tariqe Ahmadiyat Department have made a website which is in the Urdu and English language. It contains information about the history of Ahmadiyyat, biographies and events, the lives of those personalities about whom the Jamaat has published literature, for example, the Promised Messiah, the Khulafa of Ahmadiyyat, the Companions of the Promised Messiah, the Martyrs of Ahmadiyyat, the Dervesh of Qadian, 
missionaries of the Jamaat, as well as other no personalities in the Jamaat. There are biographies, as well as dissertations, articles, memorable photos. All of the volumes of Tariqi Ahmadiyat have been published so far. History about the auxiliary organizations, as well as history related to various country cities. Personal memoirs of notable personalities. There are photos of certain tabarukat, important clippings from newspapers and magazines. There are researched articles and also history-related articles, photos from functions of the Jamaat and also Jamaat properties such as mosques, mission houses, educational institutes, hospitals and dispensary, etc. And as far as possible, a brief introduction of each one has been given. Through a YouTube channel, there are certain rare documentaries of MTA also on the website. There is a timeline of all the important incidents in the history of the Jamaat from its inception up until now. God willing, I launch this website after the Friday prayers. There is some unfortunate news in that one of our senior missionaries, Safiur Rahman Khurshid Sahib, who was the son of Hakim Fazul Rahman Sahib and served as a missionary in Africa as well as in other places and also a manager of Nusrat Art Press, passed away on 16th of September at the age of 75 owing to a heart attack. Allah we belong and to him shall we return. I will lead his funeral prayer in absentia. He was the maternal grandson of Hazrat Maulvi Qudratullah Sanori Sahib who was a companion of the Promised Messiah Safir Rahman Khurshid Sahib's father had also devoted his life and was a life devotee. On the instructions of Hazrat Muslim Aud, his father oversaw the land in Sindh. Safir Rahman Sahib received his education from Rabwa, after which he joined Jamia Ahmadiyya Rabwa in 1961 owing to a dream that his mother saw. He attained the Shai degree in 1970. He has two wives. From the first wife, he has one daughter and he does not have any children from his second wife. Safir Rahman Sahib's daughter, Roshan Ara, resides here and is the wife of Jamil Ahmed Sahib. After graduating from Jamia Ahmadiyya, for a short while, Safir Rahman Sahib served in central offices in Rabwa after which he had the opportunity to serve as the missionary of Chakwal for one year alongside Hazrat Hakim Abdullah Sahib, who was a companion of the Promised Messiah In 1972, he was sent to Sierra Leone. He stated that when he was leaving for Africa, Hazrat Khalif Masih III advised him by saying, Always show love to the African people. He said that he always kept this instruction in mind. He also narrated an incident of how God Almighty assisted them. He said, Once we travelled to a distant part of Sierra Leone, by foot and then by boat, eventually reaching a settlement in the evening. An elderly African gentleman was also travelling with him. When they reached the settlement, they discovered that the chief of the town was not present. Therefore, as is the custom over there, 
they went to visit the chief imam. The chief imam refused to listen to them and told them to leave the town. As night had fallen and they had no place to stay, they began the journey back. He states, after a short distance from the village, we reached a jungle and the terrain was such that the waves of the sea or river would swamp the area. He further stated, we were walking along and were very anxious when all of a sudden a man who was on a high ground called out to us. He gave us shelter in his shack. After a while we heard people calling out for us. When they came closer, we heard them calling out for us to come back as a chief imam had called us back. The reason was that the minute we had left the village, he began suffering from a severe migraine. But it was due to removing them from the village. Nonetheless, they went back to the village where the chief imam had gathered the entire members of the village. He says they performed tabligh all night and approximately 10 or 12 people accepted Ahmadiyyad. As for the migraine of the chief imam, he says they recited Surah Fatiha as dumb and by the grace of Allah, his migraine was cured. In this manner, not only did God Almighty ensure for stay, but he also granted them beds. Safi Rahman Sahib had the opportunity to establish a printing press in Sierra Leone. Hazrat Khalip Tumsi III sent special machines which were installed there. In those days, there were difficulties in setting up a printing press. However, he established it with great success, and Hazrat Khalip Tumsi III would often praise him for this success. He was then sent to Nigeria, where he also established a printing press and it ran successfully. It was during this time when an accident took place when Safi Rahman Sahib's finger was dismembered after it was caught in a machine. Despite a lot of treatment, it would not heal. When Hazrat Khalip III Rahimullah came to know of it, he was in London at the time and instructed for Safi Sahib to travel to London for treatment. By the grace of Allah, it then later healed. When the repress was being established here, Hazrat Khalifa the IV instructed him to help with the installation. And he was placed on the committee alongside Mustafa Sabit Sahib and Mubarak Saki Sahib. By the grace of Allah, the press has been established and is running from that time. He had the opportunity to serve in Africa for 17 years, in Sierra Leone and Nigeria. Then during a tour of Africa in 1988, Hazrat Khalifatum Sidi IV instructed him to travel to Cameroon and establish a jamaat there. He obtained a visa with great difficulty and he spent one month in Cameroon. He was involved in tabligh activities and one of his interview was broadcast on the radio. During this visit, by the grace of Allah, one family converted to Ahmadiyat. In 1988, he returned to Pakistan 
and served as a missionary in Lahore. He came to the UK to attend the Jalsa Salana on several occasions and he would serve in the private tree's office. From 1991, he served as a manager of Nusut Art Press, but he suffered a stroke and had been ill for a while, and he also took retirement. May God Almighty shower his mercy and forgiveness on him. He has one daughter. May God Almighty grant patience and steadfastness to her and also his wife. Alhamdulillah, 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 Bismillah 